0: Acts chapter 2 verse 42 uh, through 47 and chapter 4 verse 32 to 37 in the New Living Translation. But if you have a Bible or you have an app on your phone, uh, put it away because um, this is my new version. I, I took those because those passages... Really, uh, chapter 4 passage is a restatement of the chapter 2 passage. What I did was I took the two and I wove them together. So why don't you follow along with me uh, on the screen, or you can just listen. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Excuse me. There were no needy people among them because those that owned land or houses would sell them. And bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who who were being saved. Well, uh, you can turn to your neighbor and say, uh, it's okay, he's not going to ask you to sell your car, your house, It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to say that. Lord may. (laughs) But I'm not saying that. Now, the context of chapter 2 and chapter 4 of Acts is one in which it was at the infancy of the Christian church Uh, It was one of those moments where I know I've been at where uh, I think they were probably saying one to the other, if it feels like we're making this up while we're going along, it's because we are. Uh, Because nothing like this had ever happened before. And they were trying to figure out how do we exist as a community of believers that are being ostracized, that are, you know, these are the people who are coming together in the name of Jesus who had just been crucified. So, you know, you, if you were one of these people you probably wasn't the most popular person. Matter of fact, if if the word got out that you were one of them, you may have lost your job, you may have been run out of your neighborhood. Who knows what may have happened to you? And so they decided that, you know what, we're going to be better off if we band ourselves together. Because as long as we're together, as long as we're united, we can cover and watch over each other. And while I I was reading that, I said, you know what? Yeah, but sell my house, sell my car, sell whatever stocks and bonds and, you know, I'm not sure that, you know, I'd like to think that I would. But then I, I asked myself, well, why would these people do such a thing? And the answer was actually right there in the first verse I read, where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now that word devote simply means to formally vow or to commit or to dedicate oneself to a a person or purpose or a thing. And what this verse uh, or this passage talks about is that they had devoted themselves or committed themselves to what was being taught by the apostles. And so, it certainly ought to beg the question for us as the modern day reader of this text, well, what were the apostles teaching them? Well, the apostles, they were teaching them what they had been taught by Jesus. And let me just give you a couple examples of what they probably were taught by Jesus. Uh, Leviticus chapter 25 verse 35 says if your brother becomes impoverished and and is indebted to you you must support him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So, you know what, there's there's plenty of us in this room uh, that would not allow ourselves to go wanting. And if we're all honest, there's probably only a few of us that when, even when Bishop says, well, church, uh, we're going on a consecration and we're going to do a fast. Even if he told you the fast was only going to be for four hours, uh, you know, there's probably many of you that, oh, man. Uh, that's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm one of them. Another thing that he perhaps taught them was in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. It says, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. What Jesus did was he established a culture amongst his disciples that those disciples then began to pass on to the early church. And who was this early church? Well, this guy, Peter, who was an unemployed fisherman because he gave up his boat, he decided, not of his own will, but the Lord called him and he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people heard and they gave their heart to the Lord. And from one message, one sermon, 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus. And all of a sudden, they went from a storefront church to a mega church. To me, me, it's it's really kind of hard to get yourself, your head wrapped around, because, you know, I know uh, oftentimes Bishop will talk with me and some of the other elders and leaders, and, and we began to talk about the kind of growth that, we've experienced here in PT and what are we going to do? But you know what? If at the end of the service we grew by 3,000, it would be like, you know what? I would have agreed with Peter. I'm going fishing. You know, how do you do that? Well, this is what they said. They decided, you know what? The way that we do this is we adhere to the teaching that God gave us through Jesus Christ. And and, and, and much of this was not new news. It was things that they had already heard. Jesus was teaching them and, and expounding even the Old Testament scriptures because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. So over 10 years ago, um, Bishop had asked me, um, what it was back. actually back in 2006, he asked, right around this time, probably in 2006, he asked me, would I consider leaving my job and uh, come work for the church? And he said, you don't have to answer right now. You know, would you? I want you to. I want you to pray about it, think about it, and let me know. And so, well, as many of you all know, I can fast forward. Um, I, I I said yes, um, and Bishop said to me, "Well, you weren't. Well, yeah, you you had you would you were fairly new as a bishop then." Yeah, yeah, become Bishop said to me, um, well, because um, you know Reverend Karen, she's leaving, going to Arizona, so um, and I'm asking if you can come, but I don't want you to do her job. Uh, but what I want you to do is I want you to come, and I really, really want you to focus on pastoral care, and uh, so I came. And, um, well, Reverend Cameron pretty much single-handedly <laughs> ran the church, made sure the business of the church was getting done. And so I, sitting in my office, and I, and I realized a lot of, the, if I didn't do it, you know, we had a good plan, It was a good idea, but if I didn't do it, it wasn't gonna get done. So for many years, I ended up doing a lot of the things that she did and really had not had an opportunity to focus on pastoral care. But uh, a few years ago, Bishop says, okay, we've done some things, we've changed some things around. I really, really, really want to go back to what our original plan was, which is for you to focus on how do we care for the people God sent again. So in my, in my, you know, in my searchings and trying to figure, you know, I begin to see what are other churches doing? And one thing I noticed was this, that um, typically churches uh, call the care for the congregation uh, one of two names. Pastoral care tends to be the more traditional name that they call but also, many other churches call it community care. And um, so, you know, then I began to ponder it and I look at what the churches that call the pastoral care, what exactly they do? The churches that call community care, what exactly they do? And because I wonder, well, is it really just two different terms, a synonymous term for really the same thing? And what I came to the conclusion of was that no, it, they, They sound the same, uh, but they were really uh, two different approaches to accomplishing the same thing. Pastoral care is uh, uh, more top-down. It is something where you would have a minister or some other trained person uh, uh, providing care for the congregation, whereas uh, community care is 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 more grassroots it's more bottom up uh where the uh congregation has a caring attitude towards one another and so they so much like what we read in the book of acts here um uh, they were doing whatever they could do to care for each other and Um, And the thing is, for me, uh, even going, rewinding way back to when I first came to Pentecostal Tabernacle and when I first uh, arrived, um, uh, there was no welcome reception. Um, It was, you know, I I came in and I knew uh, the person that brought me and I knew who would eventually become my wife, uh, because you know, I, while I was a student at Tufts, I got to know her and a fellow student of mine that brought me to PT. Um, and I'm not even sure that I even knew that she was there, but at least when I arrived, it was a familiar face. And um, and 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 that was and that was it. And you know, it was a much smaller congregation. It was. Uh, probably about, uh, yeah, probably about what sits over on that side, um, and but I didn't, I really didn't know anybody, and um, and it was it was kind of difficult for me to feel integrate to integrate myself because everybody else in the church knew each other and knew each other for decades, and. Uh, half of them seemed like half of them were related to one another. Um, so, um, so yeah. It, so if 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 you're one of if you were like me, if when you came to PT, you came and you really didn't know much of anybody. Uh, trust me, I get it. But to me, what was the good thing? was because I grew up in a family where we were very tight and there was you know family we cared for one another, we took care of one another um, uh, uh, and not only the biological or legal uh, uh, through marriage type of family, but there were assigned aunts and uncles and so, You know, I remember somebody saying to me, wow, you must be related to half of the people in New Rochelle. And I said, yeah, pretty much. But it was a good thing because no matter where I went, somebody was looking out for me and somebody was taking care of me. Um, And that's the kind of environment that I wanna create here in Pentecostal Tabernacle because not long after I started coming, that's the kind of reception that I received uh, as I came, and it it didn't happen overnight, as I began to come for a while. You know, then, you know, uh, people like um, Mother Green, who, because Bishop's brother, Kevin, used to come pick me up and give me a ride, because the first year, I didn't didn't even have a car. I was just a poor college student uh, that was fortunate enough to have a job. Um, So I got to know her on the way, you know, on the drive to church. Um, I got to know the Cummings. And so then because they, their hearts were open and consequently their homes were open, I no longer felt like the alien, okay? Even though that was kind of the greeting that I got, uh, you know, uh, when when the first-time guests, and for you first-time guests that got such a warm uh, greeting, uh, it went something like this. Um, I see there's a stranger amongst us. <laughs> and I, you know what? I was like, you know, and I'm I'm looking at my my friend that brought me from school, and and I can see people turning around and looking, and I'm turning around. <laughs> and I look back and they're all looking at me and I'm like, I'm not strange. <laughs> I'm not strange. That was it. No 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 welcome song. <laughs> Nobody, no, no, no guest reception. And you know, and and yesterday I was talking to one of the new partners and I was sharing this. They had asked me about my first time experience coming here the Pentecostal Tabernacle, and I was sharing this with them. And I, I think, well, up until then, I thought I had the weirdest experience in coming to a church, but they told me how, before they got to Pentecostal Tabernacle, they and their husband were going around um, visiting um, churches. And they got to a church, and... It was, kind of, it was really kind of weird. Uh, you know, it was even creepier than my experience. And they decided, you know what? Maybe we should go. And so they went to leave, and the doors were locked. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. That's like in the movies when you start hearing the music. Or if you're the one watching the movie and and you start hearing the music even before they go to the door, you're like, run, run. Yeah. Well, that is not the culture that we want to create here. We want to create a culture that whether it's your first time coming or whether or not you've come for the third or fourth or fifth, that it is easy for you to find and, inter- and, and become integrated into this community that we call Pentecostal Tabernacle, Amen. And so, and so, it doesn't happen just because I say that it ought to happen. It doesn't happen just because. Uh, I've I've created this mission statement for the Office of of Pastoral Care. It exists to create and maintain caring community in Pentecostal Tabernacle that promotes and nurtures the restoration and growth of the congregation. Guess what, folks? Um, I'm called to do this, okay? But I don't say that in a pompous fashion because I got late breaking news for you you're called to do it too. I can't do this by myself. And, you know, and when I began to think about the, um, about the landscape of Pentecostal Tabernacle and began to think about, uh, I said, who, who in our church most exemplifies that kind of caring attitude where you know what they open up their hearts they open up their home they open up their pocketbook was that a hint it's not a male Oh, in Cambridge, I guess it could be. Um I perhaps I shouldn't have said that. Um But at any rate, uh I I just wanna recognize somebody, you know, because there is, at least for me, you know, oftentimes when you're in life you you well, sort of like when I'm driving, um you look for you're driving on a long drive, and and you look for a pace car, and you look for someone that's hopefully going to keep you moving along at a good pace, not so fast that you're going to get pulled over, but they're 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 pacing you. They're they they they've set a standard for you to be able to go by, and. Um, And the person, you know, I I wrote on this. Um, uh, Thank you for being God's agent of care. And actually, let me just grab this so I can read the... I thought I was going to be able to memorize the scripture passage that I wrote on there. But it says, I wrote... Uh, 1 John 3, 16, verse 17. Uh, and it says, By this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone with earthly possessions sees his brother in need, but withholds his compassion from him, how can the love of God abide in him? And I want to present this today to uh, Sharon Walcott. Before you run, um, and 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 I think the applause is because so many of you know that what I said is true. You know, and and the thing is, she does it in such an unassuming way. Um, and but you know, there are times when, you know, as I'm surveying around the congregation, and you see things, and 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 you see you see needs, but then all of a sudden you see the need being fulfilled, and and you say. Hold your applause for a second, because I got something for you. You say, how did that happen? And oftentimes, it sort of reminds me of the movie The Wizard of Oz. You see all these wonderful and amazing things that are happening, and then all of a sudden, Toto pulls back the curtain, and you see the man pulling the lever. And oftentimes when the curtain was pulled back Sharon was behind there pulling the levers yeah. and, and and before and and she i don't think she would ever ask to be acknowledged but here's what here's what you said yeah you would oh oh okay <laughs> okay um here, here is, to me, the best way. That you can acknowledge, and show your real appreciation for her, is to start being like her. There's, there's a saying in the world that says, uh, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And see, the thing is, we as a congregation, there are people that come in with needs. And you know what? Uh, Sharon's not a, uh, what's his name, Uh, uh, Buffett? Warren Buffett? She'd like to be, but, and, and if she was, you know, knowing Sharon, she wouldn't be war- She wouldn't be a Warren Buffett for for very long, because she would spend it down. But she would be Warren Buffett all over again because the Lord would replenish it. And and, and so what I'm encouraged I really want to encourage you to do, is you know what um, you know. There's that commercial that used to say I I think it was I want to be like Mike but I think what Sharon would say I, yeah you don't want to be like Sharon what do you want to be like is you want to be like Jesus because because that's who she's imitating and as Paul says follow me as I follow Christ so you if you want to follow her follow her as she follows Christ thank you so much Sharon. When, if you want to do this for people and you know what here's a reality it doesn't work just by walking up to random people um, it's sort of like um, many of us we If you drive, you come to intersections and there's somebody panhandling. And you know what? Um, I don't know about you, but uh, some people, when they pull up and the person's coming around with the cardboard sign and, and the jar in their hand or can or whatever, you might feel guilty because you don't give. what I'm suggesting, and listen, if the Lord's calling you to give um, to that person, by all means do so. But here's the challenge that I want to put before you is, you know, the quarter, the $2 that you put in the can, you have no idea how productive it is what you want to do is you want to be very intentional by pouring and sowing into the lives of people that you're going to be able to see it grow and there you know and there are some of you that I've had privilege of doing that for. And what you what perhaps you don't realize is uh, I know Bishop um, likes to quote the verse that says where your heart is is where your treasure is. And What I have found is that as I've been able to, I've been, God has put me in a situation where I had an opportunity to invest in someone's life. What ends up happening is your heart ends up being with that person. And sometimes, you know what, the person may not be somebody that you even like. But God is calling us to be like Jesus. You know, and and, and we often think about uh, the time where, um, where, it, where the scripture passage where it it talks about uh, if someone uh, strikes you, then to turn the other cheek. You know, and I used to work with a guy and said, you know, yeah, if if somebody struck me on my left cheek, I would turn the other cheek, but my right cross is coming. <laughs> That's not what Jesus was talking about. <laughs> That's not what Jesus is talking about. You know, but, you know, but me as a, as a Christian, you know, uh, I was certainly more sophisticated than that. And I remember, and this was uh, many, many years ago now, uh, on the job, and I got called into my director's office, and she said, um uh, I've, Roy, I've been told that um, uh, such and such happened and uh, and you were the cause of this and that you, and went down a, a litany of accusations and so on and so forth. And so I just sat there and I listened. And, she, and when she was done, she said to me, But one of the main reasons why I called you in here is because, to be honest with you, I don't believe that you did this. It doesn't sound like you. And so I just simply said to her, no, I did not, and I'm not sure where you got that information from, and she proceeded to tell me and it was one of my coworkers. And so, you know, you know, um, and I've had people say, you know what, Um, come to me and say, Elder Roy, you know, you don't understand, you know, I came from, blah, blah, blah. You and Bishop, you you, you never understand. I said, listen, I can't speak for Bishop, okay? Bishop was raised in church all his whole life, you know? My mother tried to raise me in church, but when I was eight years old, I said, I ain't having no more of this, and I left. It was costly. It was costly. I almost didn't leave with my life, but... uh -uh. You know what? I've been some places, I've seen some things. And perhaps there are some accusations, I may have done some things, but I wouldn't believe that kind of press. It's fake news. <laughs> I, I understand, I get it. You know, and when people, I don't care how saved you are, when people do things to you, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I want to be like Jesus, but something... Something, something starts welling up in you. And so, and so, but, you know, but I figured, I said, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing, Lord. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to go and, you know, because it was a woman. What I felt like doing was punching her in the face. Oh. <laughs> I said felt like it. That's, that, 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 didn't, that, didn't, that didn't play out very long. I cast cast that demonic thought out, okay? Okay, because, you know, I was saved, you know? So I said, you know, I need to go to the scriptures and figure out what to do. And so, thumbing through the scriptures, ah, yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. Scripture says that if I treat this person nicely, it's going to be be like heaping coals of fire on their head. And so I would, every day, I would come in ducking donuts, coffee, uh, donuts, and everything, and I would just stand back, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling my age, but I would, I would, I, one of the cries of the 60s, I would say, burn, baby, Burn. Burn, baby, burn. I was looking for spontaneous human combustion. They said that it actually can happen. That's what I was looking for. But what I said was, you know what? Because it cost me to keep doing that. And all of a sudden, because I kept investing in the all for the wrong reasons, mind you. Then my heart started going there. And I'm like, I don't want to like this person. <laughs> Let me hold on to my hate. But the Holy you know, God, God allowed me to do that because, you know, if he told me to be nice to her, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of like the, the story about Nineveh. You know, you say, "Oh, I wouldn't act that way." Yeah, well, I was acting that way. I was like, you know, no, you need to jack her up, God. But, 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 but God had a purpose. He wanted, he he wanted me to be the Christ in that office that that acted a different way. And so, what I'm what I'm proposing to you today is, you know, we have to enter into relationships. Relationships are not easy. They're messy. And guess what? You might not get, it's not a case of whether you might get hurt. There's many of you in here that, that will bear witness that you, I will get hurt. I, matter of fact, I've been there. I've done that and I've gotten hurt. And matter of fact, some of you all have come here because you have gotten hurt in some, uh, some way or some form or some fashion. Sometimes it's from another church. And But what I want to say to you today is, you know what? You need to do this because it's for the greater good. As that scripture said that there was no need, there was no poor among them, that was because God poured out the blessings on the congregation, on the community. And each of us, just like each of them, sold their house, sold their track of land. You know, it's not, the needs are not just financial. The needs often can be emotional. Sometimes a person can need, you know, sometimes a person just, you know, they just may be challenged. They, you know, some of you can make friends in the bat of an eye, you can walk in the room and and have four or five friends that you've made. And there are other people that just socially challenged. You have a richness. You are prosperous in a way that you could help out that person who's socially poor. But the question is, will you open up your heart? Will you open up your life and do that thing? that's what my heart desire is and that's what Jesus's heart desire that happens in his church because it it's he's doing this for one sole purpose and that's for the gospel to be spread and if we can do this in here What's gonna happen is that it's just simply practice for us and to perfect us being able to do it out there. And so then when you begin to talk about your life to your family, to your friends, and and you begin to tell of the experience that you have in the house of God and how you, your every need is met here, it's going to cause people to want to come and inquire and that will bring people to Christ.